All right. Well, welcome into the live Cyberly edition. Cyberly hits the road. I'm your host, Blythe Brunley, and we have three fantastic guests with us today. We have Mr. Gabriel. He is the director of supply chain for Bonnie Plants. We have Chris Palema from the CEO of PCS Software. And then we have Matt Detmar, president of Detmar Logistics. And welcome into the first conference of the year since a lot of us for 2019. Yes. Is this uh, is this all of your first conference? I imagine since since the pandemic. Yeah, pretty much since nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. We we've had one or two just in our um, since in Fort Worth and one actually here in San Antonio as well. Kind of the tail end of last year going into this year. So it's it's slowly, but this is definitely the biggest one we've been to. So and so the nicest as well. So well, so did you job, actually Chris. have to? Yeah, shout out to, to <laughs> yeah. PCS because this has been a fantastic event so far. It's only day one, but yesterday you could definitely feel the energy coming back. I was doing some one-on-one -on -one interviews and one of the first questions that I asked everybody is, was there any sort of hesitation on coming to, to committing to a conference and resounding no, everybody wanted to be back. Was that sort of your, your feeling initially? Yeah, it, it, I think it's a good opportunity to network and get back on the road, right? And hear about what everybody's doing and it's been like an interesting year. <laughs> everybody. Yeah, I think it has for everyone, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good to be face to face and you know get to interact socially, which you know we're social beings, so it's good to get back in that setting and and be and be amongst peers and and uh, and yeah, get to socialize. And yeah, definitely. I, I think you get so much more. I, I've been I'm fortunate enough to to do a lot of conversations through Zooms, and I'm sure you know a lot of us have. And it's almost I see you almost like oh, I don't want to do another Zoom. Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel the same way because you just get so much more interaction i think with with in-person conversations than than what you do with with a, more of a traditional setting like a like a zoom meeting um so have you have you guys started formulating those relationships and started uh, i guess evolving those relationships or is it a lot of the same people that that you've already seen at, at previous conferences is it almost like a reunion or or meeting new faces for for me particularly it's new a lot of new faces <laughs> so we're just uh, new in the family with PCS and right. starting that journey. So it's been good to network and hear from other people who's down the path and, you know, learning, learning hmm. a lot. We worked hard to make sure that we have both shippers, carriers, brokers, partners. So it's a, I think it's a pretty dynamic mix. Um, our focus was to bring together those that could help each other's business further the most. Now, hmm. the invitation was broad and wide, but in reality, I think the mix that actually showed, uh, the best quote that I heard yesterday over over dinner was, um, you know, in the cocktail hour, uh, the hors d'oeuvres that were being passed around, whether it's one hop or two hop, there was wild horses weren't going to keep me away from this event because it's the chance to network mm -hmm. as we come on the backside of COVID and get a jump on the back half of the year and as we get into next year. You just can't replace the in-person dynamic with a Zoom meeting or with a Teams meeting. I mean, it's the reality of it. You can't. And so he was super eager with Steve. Uh, uh, newer uh, partner of ours and was eager, I think, to, you know, to meet and network. So, and so by, by obviously the, the reason that we're here is we're, we're sharing insight and information on technology collaboration is, is a huge theme among this event with Ignite. Um, how have you guys started using collaboration with your, your technology offerings? Are, are you finding it more, I guess, more challenging now with almost like data overload or are you finding tools that, that are making it a little bit more of an easier process um, to, to streamline a lot of your processes? Uh, we, we, we we use PCS. PCS has been a great tool and, you know, they've done a lot of good updates recently. We're able to use data to make a lot of decisions and 
you know, sometimes we're able to get a lot of data, but you know, the more data we have, the better decisions we can make. So, you know, um, is, you know, data overload, you know, not, not necessarily, we know pretty much what we're looking for, but it's always good. We're looking through different reports and able to find something and find numbers and data that we might've not used once before that we can use to make decisions to, to, to help us progress. I think that that's a common theme. I think with a lot of companies is that they're 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 trying to figure out ways to use the information that they have at hand in order to to better their operations. And, and speaking of operations, and even backing it up just a little bit, um, can each of you give sort of a you know a, a, a an elevator pitch of of who you are and what company that that you're representing? I'll start, start with you, Gabriel. Well, I, I work for Bonnie Plants. Bonnie Plants is the largest uh, distributor of uh, veggies, herbs, and uh, flowers across the United States. We have about 78 sites distributed in every region. Uh, you know, we've been in business for about 100 years. So uh, we, we control a lot of the market with the big retailers. And, you know, pretty much everybody in America has a bonnie plant if they have a garden or a flower. <laughs> so <laughs> so a, lot of, a lot of those customers, you know, have been customers for a long, long hmm. time. So for us, technology distributing, getting the product in the right place at the right time is one of the, you know, it's, it's core for the business. Hmm. It's, a, it's a score is growing. And so um, I'm, I, I would, I'm super excited to dive into the growth of, of the plant market, especially <laughs> among the millennial generation. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that question here in a second. But Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit um, about your backstory? Because obviously it's extensive. You're, you're a serial entrepreneur. I, I am. I'm uh, so I joined PCS a couple of years ago to help it grow in market. Uh, we see an opportunity to bring uh, a platform using based on data, really. So it's we have terabytes, over 15 terabytes. In fact, it's growing a terabyte. So to, to give you an idea, this room is 40 feet by about 30 feet rectangular, and the ceilings are about 22 feet in height. And if you were to print off a terabyte front and back of the page, spread it normal on a, just a, as you would a book, right, in size, a terabyte would fill about a third of this room. So you can imagine in terms of volume just how much data we have, we're adding a terabyte, we're adding that much on a quarterly basis. And so to be able to bring a platform, right, with all its capability and services to each of our customers in market and future customers in market, they can get it in one place, it's all centralized data. It can be overload if you're as a business, if you don't know how to consume the data, that hmm. is to say how to read the data as it's coming to you, but we're here to help them. And our purpose is to centralize that data. My background, yes, serial entrepreneur. I've been uh, large companies like uh, Microsoft and Sun, Sun Microsystems in my past. I was an executive for them. And, and uh, I've also uh, been in uh, technology for over 35 years with some of them small businesses that we've been able to grow from 10 million to over 200 million in, in revenue. Uh, some of them, uh, without knowing it, you may not recognize it. You actually use some of those technologies uh, in market. We were the first to bring uh, basically SaaS cloud business in 97, 98. We went public in 2000, a company that AT&T acquired. It's their business hosting today. It's a company called USI or US Internetworking. Bringing that kind of platform and technology and the power for what amounts to, in many cases, can be as little as a cup of coffee on a daily basis can get you entry level onto this platform so that you carriers and shippers can talk to each other, hmm. so that you can use the rich data to truly grow your business and spend time working on your business, not spend time working in your business. I love that. And that's what we're all about. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think that you guys are definitely doing. I, I watched a, a seminar earlier today that, that talked about automating 90% of your TMS work right. and just seeing the, the user right. interface and just the, the simplicity of having a browser-based TMS just goes significantly farther for a, a, a technology or a, a company that, that's trying to achieve some of those, I guess, those challenges that they're dealing with today with right. some of the application-based programs. Absolutely. And what about you, Matt? What's your, what's your background? Give the, uh, give the elevator pitch for the yeah. No, I'm a CEO of Detmar Logistics. We've been in business for about eight years now, started in 2013, so we're in our eighth year. Um, and we're uh, primarily a uh, frac sand logistics provider, asset-based um, in the oil and oil and gas industry, um, specifically the Permian Basin. Um, so uh, we've we've done that. We've grown significantly over time. At, at our peak, which was in the 2018 area, we were around 330 tractors. State are about 170 due to fluctuating size with owner operators and COVID took a significant hit uh, mm. to just to our business and oil and gas market and business all the way around. But so um, that's where we're at today. Um, 120 of those assets are company owned and we have own 200 traders as well. But uh, what we're doing is we're doing a big push to, uh, to uh, electrification of mm. our tractors. Um, and we partner with Hylion on that to, uh, to uh, start to look at achieving that also using alternative fuels to power the electrification of the units. So, um, it's uh, it's been a, it's, it's been a, it's been very interesting so far, and Hylion has been a great partner to work with on that aspect of it, and we're really excited to see what the what the future holds on that. Yeah, I definitely love to dive into more uh, of that partnership because I've been reading a few blog articles that, that you guys have or, or press releases that you guys have put out mm -hmm. um, about that partnership. It sounds really exciting. Um, but the reason that we're all here today is is because this is PCS's first event, first first conference ever. What was, Chris, what was the catalyst to, to say, I want to have a conference? Yes. And, and why this, why now? Yeah, great question. So quite literally had a customer banging on a, now mind you, this is on a conference call, not even a video call, <laughs> banging on a conference call. And this is one of our larger carriers. Mm. You know, with 1,300 customers, I take a lot of calls. I feel a lot of input, right? Mm. They're uh, not bashful in, in giving input, both carriers and shippers but one of our largest banging on the desk. You know, you keep talking about, and this happened to be asset tracking and management and visibility. I wanna see you put this into play. I wanna see you do something with this. And it was at that moment, the aha moment of, hey, it's time for us to get our carriers and shippers together and really start to bridge that divide mm -hmm. and that gap and bring them together. One, so that conversation can happen. Two, so that information sharing on all the blind spots and the non-transparencies can begin to share, uh, but also the in-person networking. I think everybody's eager, right? And this was, so this call was, I want to say it was April of 2000. It was like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, by then COVID is blazing and everybody's on their heels. Now we've been lucky enough. We've been in the office um, the entire time. Hmm. We've missed three weeks out of the last two years outside of the office. We have been in the office, no COVID outbreaks. We manage it very tightly. It masks in the office. We're do support and proponents of vaccines. We're, mm -hmm. you know, no surprise. We're technologists. Use technology, right? right? <laughs> uh, you know, and when you look at the, the Johns Hopkins COVID Center and the statistics, it would tell you, get the vaccine. You have a better chance of passing through it as opposed to not. Whether it's Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, or Pfizer, go get the vaccine. And so we all did that and have been safe in the office, been working in the office. But it was a customer hmm. that sort of that we listen. I took note of it. COVID happened. We recovered as we got into May, June of next year. Now, mind you, we had so many waves, right? In sure. society, it was a constant. You're constantly battling it. 
We actually began planning for Ignite uh, the fourth quarter of last year, and it began in earnest in February. We committed some serious money to make sure that this conference could happen in August, thinking it would give us enough time. And, um, you know, we have nice turnout. Uh, those that actually registered were like 98%, just over 98% of those that registered to be here are here. Oh, wow. And so, so it's really like moving high. that collaborativeness of the platform and the ethos that you guys have built into right. a, an, an environment for in-person. Right. And I, I think it's, does it, uh, I, I guess maybe from like um, like a pride level or maybe like a easing back into, you know, the new normal is what people keep calling it. Did you, did you want to be the first one back or were there any kind of, I guess, sort of hesitations in order, well, maybe it's not the right time or was it, no, we need to be the leaders in this? <laughs> Rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, it's uh, you know, to quote, it's kind of, a, you know, the playwright who actually wrote this did a great job. It's Yoda's phrase, do right or do, do or not. do not. <laughs> exactly. There is no try. And mm -hmm. so when we decided that we were in fourth quarter of last year, we were in. Hmm. We were doing this. It was a question of selection, selecting the site, making sure that we could begin broadcasting, get the information, get, get the news out, put together a, a first rate program around content that really matters hmm. and would really bring our customers and prospects and partners and bring the market together. And the fact that we hit the timing right and when it actually came to market, for us, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky in yeah. that sense, right? Right after is COVID starting to come back down, we kind of hit it just right. Although with the Delta uh, variant, right, it's starting to come back up. But so it's been good for us. But I think, I think it's, it's, it's also culturally significant as well. I, I think that there there's something to say about a company that says we want to be leaders in this respect. And then also the people that show up to the conference as well, that there's a certain kind of entrepreneurial spirit, a certain kind of leadership uh, per perception that you, you have to have in order to, to say, no, the, it, the time is right to get back out into the world. Would you guys agree? Or? On that note, I have to say, here you've got a, a nice size carrier jumping into the EV space. Talk about entrepreneurship. Talk about leading. <laughs> and honestly, over here you've got a hundred. I mean, think about this. You have a hundred-year company, and you've got a gentleman that's leading the logistics team to grow not just in terms of their base product, as they always have over the last hundred years, but our opener, L Laura Cicera, I think said it right when she said, You've got to think hard about unthinking what you've mm. learned all of those decades so that you can grow your, you know, Gabe and I were just having this conversation outside, grow your business in a way that is not traditional just based off your product, but leverage logistics to be in market at the right place at the right time so that you can get the optimum value for your product in market. I love that because there, obviously there has been so many changes over the last year and a lot of these changes, people have been forced like kicking and screaming to go into these changes. But some of those adjustments are, are kind of uh, putting the trends on, on steroids that already existed. Uh, one of those I know specifically among the millennial generation is that the buying of plants in order to, yes. I, I read a study that it, it, millennials are having um, children later in life, if at all. So they're supplementing that need, that biological need with plants and pets. <laughs> and that's great for, that's great for your, your business. Yeah, there are some <laughs> estimates that there's about 21 million new customers that came into the, you know, uh, horticultural business during the, the pandemic. So, you know, the challenge is now how do you retain them? Mm. You know, a lot of people found 
that getting a garden like their parents is therapeutic, that they, they mm -hmm. can relax and taking care of a plant and they have the time. Now, when you start getting back into the conflict and interest is like, how do we provide them with an experience that make it easy for them so they stay engaged with the, with the category? So, and how are you guys practicing? I didn't even think of the, the fact that you have to practice retaining customers with plants. What are some of those strategies that, that, that you guys are approaching customers with? Well, you know, with? the generations are changing. So in the same way, we're trying to introduce new varieties that are you know, compact, that they doesn't require in that much space, that mm. they can grow pretty well in pots. You know, there's a lot of people who doesn't have the half an acre to grow a garden, but <laughs> if you have a compact garden that you can put in, in a pot and you have a bush that is gonna provide you with a product and you have a sunny spot or products that doesn't require full sun that they can grow well with partial sun. So, so it's all that technology put into the benefit of the consumer. You know, you start engaging that new generation. Uh, there's this year we launch a, uh, a line of hot peppers because there's a huge market for that. You know, there's a there's a lot of people who's looking for those super hot peppers hybrids and 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 they wanna they wanna grow them, they wanna make their salsas and they they wanna have it with their chips and you know it's it's been an interesting experience. To, and and to this see. almost might be going a little too deep in, into this, but where are you? I guess finding the I guess the market research or the insight that hey people are I guess maybe buying a lot of hot sauce and then that that trends into buying a lot of hot peppers. So then they can, you know, keep that, I guess they retain, retain the customers it, it, in the it's, future. It's part of our R&D group. They do a very good job on trying new things and then also finding the right sources, the mm. right vendors who are, you know, doing that research and, and bring it up to us and, you know, doing the testing. You know, the, the live goods business has two, two sections on the R&D. First, you can develop a new priority. Then you need to make sure that you can industrialize it, that hmm. you can make it in mass and that you can distribute it. And it's going to grow well in a country like the U.S. where you have five or six different climate zones or hardiness zones that we call. So, you know, you have all the way to Southern Florida, which is super hot and humid. And you have all the way up to Maine, which has primarily five weeks of summer. So how do you make the same variety to grow hmm. in each one of those markets. Oh, okay. wow, that's fascinating. So it, it really is like you're trying to, to a, a appeal to all of these different demographics within the U.S. Uh, how, take me back to, I guess, sort of the origins. Who's Bonnie? So Bonnie is, uh, it's an Alabama-based company. They started back in 1918, and they started by selling veggies uh, that they were growing and they were they were selling them in bunches. So they were taking it out of the ground, they were putting wrapping up in paper and they were sending it in crates. So people was taking those plants and then transplanting into their um, into their own gardens. Back in the 80s, that's when we introduced the potted plant. Hmm. So now people can have it in a little pot, take it to their houses, and and you know we continue to innovate and in, into how to how to make those plants get to the customer in the, in the best way. I have to say, a true confession. So my 22-year-old daughter, no kidding, two and a half months to do it. You want to talk about coincidence. So um, she's senior uh, University of Colorado in Denver, Colorado. And in the back, uh, you know, she's got, it's not a half an acre, but she has, you know, a sizable backyard uh, where she is. And she takes her phone, turns it around, does this panorama, and she's got a garden just... My dot. This is. I'm like, really? My 22 year old daughter who spends her time like Facebook, Twitter, right? And she's always out with friends. Found time, and just exactly to your point, during COVID, she went and planted. Literally, she's got this walk area that she walks in between. So, I mean, constructed this garden in kind of this S fashion in the backyard, 
where she's got like over a hundred plants that she's growing and cultivating. Sounds like me. <laughs> I, I, I was blown away. I was like, wow. There's a sense of accomplishment. You know, it's mm -hmm. something Absolutely. they're putting in the ground, you're putting the time, you're putting the love, and you yeah. know, at some point you start getting the fruit, yeah, right? Yeah. So. There's actually a funny meme that, that is making the rounds that, that talks about, you know, all of the work and the money that you spend in uh, having growing your own vegetables. Right. And it's for an end product of, of a pepper or a tomato or, that you yeah. buy at the yeah. store yeah. for a dollar <laughs> or less. But it's so much more to your point. It's so much more beneficial to grow that yourself. Like I, I keep basil and fresh herbs, uh, bonnie mm -hmm. plants on, on my porch um, and I use them every day in cooking. And it's just that much more, it just means a little bit more to, to grow it yourself. Well, yeah. but, but we go even beyond that. We, ha we have some partnerships where we are asking people, when, there's people who has big gardens and the product that they get is more than what they can consume, more than what their neighbors mm -hmm. can consume. But there's a lot of pantries and, and you know, places for people that can go and get that food. So mm. we are, we're encouraging people who has excess product to donate. I to, love that. To take it to, to these different places where they can give their extra product and then people can come and get it. Because, you know, Feeding America, is, it's, it's a reality. You know, there's people who's struggling to get there. So, you know, this is a good way you can bring back to the community. So we have a lot that. of uh, initiatives around mm. that. What about you, Matt? Are you growing any plants? I am not. No, no. I, I live in an apartment. I have. I don't, I don't have a yard quite yet. That'll, that'll be in the future, about, though. So, yeah. yeah, you need some potted plants. Yeah, That's what I yeah, do. It's, uh, yeah. it's you're limited on sun and yeah. space, so the, the potted plants go, goes a long way. Um, I guess speaking of, of moving into what's better for, for Mother Earth, you're actually, you're, you're, your company is, is making some transitions right. into to moving into electric vehicles. You, you just signed a, a, a deal with Hylion. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about that partnership and what you're hoping yeah, to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking with them since probably about September, October of last year. Um, and, you know, we're, you know, we're looking at the different type of electrification models and uh, different types of Class 8 tractors that are available. And what we saw from Hylion was much different than what we saw from what uh, most of the competitors in the space were doing. Hmm. And in the fact that they were, you know, starting with, uh, with you know, a, a current tractor, because um, the, the current manufacturers have done a great job as far as making the fuel efficient diesel the best they can. So what, what Hylion's approach was is to uh, use the electric powertrain uh, that uses regenerative braking to, uh, to charge a, a, a battery box on board and uses a look ahead feature to figure out when to kick on the battery torque mm -hmm. to uh, figure out, what, you know, to be able to use the fuel in the most efficient way possible. Um, so their next step um, is the uh, ERX model, which is we did uh, sign the uh, pre-order with them on um, 300 units, uh, which we're, we're very excited about. Um, oh. But the electrification process of it, and, and it works in our field, and I'll explain that here in a second, is why it'd be best for our, our field and what we do. Um, the ERX uses uh, CNG uh, or, or RNG, which is a route that we're looking at going um, to uh, essentially fuel gener generator that's under the hood, which is charging the batteries, which would be kind of where the saddlebags are in the truck, and simultaneously using the uh, regenerator braking with the electric axle to charge the batteries as well. Now, it's harnessing that battery power uh, that comes from the generator and the uh, electric axle to charge to uh, power an e-motor. So it's a full electric propulsion unit essentially with a natural gas power plant on board. <laughs> and what we're seeing is, so again, we're in oil and gas. So, uh, and this is more so on the CNG side. Um, what we're seeing is flaring has been the biggest greenhouse gas emitter. Uh, and one of the biggest problems in oil and gas, uh, as far as it, you know, um, 
you know, putting emissions out into the environment. Is that what flaring is? Flaring is, yes. Yeah. So flaring okay. is essentially there's so much gas coming off, they have nowhere to put it. Hmm. So uh, so what they have to do is essentially burn, just burn, burn it. it off into the environment. Yeah. So that is, uh, has been a you know a huge process, huge step moving forward to be able to capture that and use that methane to convert it to compressed natural gas. And we're seeing it used in dual fuel frack fleets, dual fuel drilling rigs, or or all electric. And how those electric frack fleets work, it uses natural gas to fuel you know a very large, very large generator that's uh, powering the all electric equipment. And of course, with electric, you're able to produce more horsepower. And different things like that. Torque is higher the, the too. Tor yeah. Torque is immensely higher. Yeah, um, that's what we've noticed. That's when our our drivers first uh, um, first thing they noticed on the uh, powertrains we've done is the uh, the torque that they're able to uh, to right. get off that. So um, so it's 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 also helping with driver retention, which is fantastic. Um, but with those units, they're able to fill with CNG and they're projected to have a thousand mile range. Um, and so it's again, it's essentially fully electrified with natural gas power plant on board. Um, they can have a thousand mile range and we're not, you know, limited to 400, 500 mile range to say at tops, hmm. not only that, but with excessive amount of battery packs that is reducing our payload. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a very good model for, for what we're trying to do. And being in oil and gas, our, you know, our industry is expected to get to net zero, um, quicker than anybody else, especially on oil production. So, um, what we do is, you know, for, for a frack site, um, you know, we're on, on one well, we're delivering 5 million pounds a day, so we're 100, 100 truckloads a day. So if you look at that, the carbon intensity over that, it's, it's huge. So as we go look to using alternative fuels, and we're, we're in talks with Hylion and, and, a, and a natural gas company that we're partnered with on potentially using RNG, which would put us in the net negative hmm. category. So um, essentially, we, we thought that that would be the best model uh, for us to move forward and the best electrification model that would be out um, and you know not only for the near term but for the future as well because again the range is there um, the potential be net negative is there because also if you're using 100 percent battery power let's say if you're driving a tesla in, in austin texas you know austin is mainly coal powered so if you're using uh, coal powered right. Right. Um, electricity from from the grid you're essentially on the back end yeah emitting carbon that way right. so the ability to use the CNG from the flaring, which is once a, once a waste product, not essentially RNG, but going to RNG puts us, would put us in a net negative mm -hmm. category. So being able to get to those fuels and use electrification to do it and partner with Hylion just seemed like a full win-win for us across the board. I, I heard you say earlier that it, it, because you, you, you work in, you know, sort of the, the, the shipping that you do is sort right. of an oxymoron to, to yeah, getting right, the yeah. electric trucks. How are you, I guess, is that how you're, you're negative net zero? Is that how you're kind of combating, um, I guess, that perception that... Correct. Well, and I mean, you know, I was listening to a few earnings calls from our uh, our customers, uh, and I mean, if you look at, you know, from mainly energy companies is they're being pressured by investors and shareholders to, uh, you know, to have a strong ESG and a strong sustainability report. So, um, us going this route, uh, helps our customers achieve their goals as well. Hmm. Um, so again, they're, um, the, the industry is, is under much more pressure than a lot more to be able to get to a net zero oil production. So there you go. You just heard it right here. If you're looking to reduce carbon footprint, <laughs> you're in energy. You, you absolutely need to look up Matt and Detmar Logistics because this guy can take your number negative. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it's a, that, no, that, no that's, worries. That's I, do. I love the enthusiasm. When, when you talk about entrepreneurs, right? What, yeah. Talk about leading. 
right? Not following. Right. Same thing. It's just, it's an amazing place to, I think, to be, to sit between two customers like this who are leading their market segments. And really, just us as people should be just elated what Matt is doing mm -hmm. in terms of reducing the carbon footprint. I mean, that's good for us. Absolutely. It's very good for and, us. And it's good for all folks involved. I, I think... Uh, one of the, the things that I struggle with is, is or not I struggle with, but from a, a, a decision-making wise, why why Hylion and not maybe some of the other competitors on the market? So a lot of it kind of reverts back to, I mean, if, you know, Tesla pushed their, their orders back mm -hmm. recently, that's, that's no secret. Um, but um, again, with the charging, so, you know, in like the eCascadia, and, you know, don't quote me on this, you know, exact specifications, <laughs> sure. but I think it was about a 300 mile range, you know, 200, 300 mile range. Now our trucks are going 400, 500 miles a day, let's say on average, and to put them sidelined for a charging port that could take four, five, six, seven hours, uh, and, you know, affects our utilization mm -hmm. immensely. Um, and not only that, you look at the cost of the unit, the cost of operating it, then you have that much downtime along with a limited amount of miles. And then a lot of our work is essentially paid off payload as well. So if we, and the ERX is expected to be, you know, around a decent tear weight that we're seeing on conventional tractors to this date. Um, so we're, um, plus not only that, because it's CNG as well, there's an extra stipulation for CNG where you can carry an extra ton. So we're seeing an extra ton for payload as well, but um, and the range is a big factor as well. Plus um, the amount of CNG that's widely available where we're at right now. And, you know, not on the RNG side, but what we're seeing on the CNG side and Permian is looking at like about a dollar thirty diesel gallon equivalent. So you're looking at immense reductions in fuel costs, what the range that's there, um, you know, a very short fueling time. Um, but also these trucks are expected to have a charging deck and actually they came out with a, a statement, I believe last week that, um, uh, they're looking at getting approved or if they have not been approved yet to be a net zero, uh, vehicle for the state of California. And that's because the, uh, batteries will have a full 75 mile range, hmm. um, on them. So, um, so it's, it's very, it's fully electrified uh, again, but it, it runs off of fuel that, that is sustainable in, in here today. And the drivers love it. And the dri you, yeah. you said that you mentioned earlier that it's been helping with driver retention. Can, right. can you tell us a little bit about some of the reasons that the drivers love it? Well, I mean, we have we have five of powertrains right now, but the drivers that are in it right now are, are loving them. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, um, uh, they're just they're loving the extra power that's on them. They're loving the technology. They they love to be a part of something new and it's going to be beneficial for generations to come. They're on, too, the forefront, they're on the not forefront, not on the back end. Right. And it sort of alleviates that this is an opportunity for them to embrace technology versus like autonomous trucks where it's almost scary. Like right, that's, right. that's what's going to take my right. job. And, and when, when we took them to do the training, um, they were fired up about it. So it was, it's really it's really good to see, you know, members of your team being fired up about, yeah. about the path you're taking moving forward. So, um, you know, it's, you know, and there's, you know, there's a lot of old school mentality to trucking too. So mm -hmm. to take them there and then see the facility, um, see the trucks, drive the trucks, and, and see the excitement, and, and, and listen to the questions they have to ask as well. It's, uh, it's, it, was, it was very cool to see. Probably really impactful too to, to have them involved in that process, and then see it evolve to now you're 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 securing you know 300 additional trucks. I'm sure it gets the yep. the rest of the guys excited as well. Absolutely, <laughs> they are your new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, by the time that this will air, e each of you are giving either a, a keynote or a part of a panel discussion. Um, some of you have, have maybe already completed that already. So uh, give us one takeaway from your presentation or your talk that you would hope that people would leave with. I'll start with you, Gabriel. 
Well, you know, in my case, it's about how technology is evolving. We, we're going to talk or we're talking about the two lines of technology as more data is being produced. You know, there's, there's the new trucks, more information system, better GPS, more things to track in each one of those, those vehicles. But then at the same time, what do you do with that data? Hmm. Now you have millions and millions and millions of data points. How do you make them useful to improve service, to reduce your costs, to make it beneficial for your company? I think that is the next transition uh, from a technology standpoint. How do you take all that data that is now available and do something with it? Hmm. You know, it's, it's, and obviously you guys are using that data in, in your own use case by, by figuring out which plans can grow in five different regions of the country. And <laughs> we are also trying to look at ten, uh, the trends, you know, what is the consumer cons you know, buying in certain areas and make sure that we have the right levels of stock in those places. And I think, too, I, I saw a study that it's very difficult for retailers to keep up with the trendy plans that are, are, are popular on social media, you know, Instagram-friendly plans. Um, are, are you guys seeing any of that in sort of your, your data reports, or is that early, too early in the game? Maybe the live goods market is a long-term market. <laughs> so for certain types of plans, you are talking about two years to develop the whole plan. You need to have a mom plant and a dad plant. And then they have the seed and then that seed. So it's about 18 months. So you kind of need to be in the forefront mm. and make a decision of how many of these plants do I need. So getting all these data is helping us to get there. To and especially able. from a growing perspective, too, because if a, a plant starts hitting it and going viral on, on social media, then it, it's not as a, a quick adjustment as you probably exactly. would like. If there's not enough seed available, you're... You're only going to have as much as you have for that year. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating how you're using data in that respect. What about you, Chris? What's one takeaway that you hope the audience will leave with? Yes, yeah, so I think it's simplicity, an AI platform for our market, for our customers, and the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. It's bringing shippers and carriers together on a single platform to where they truly can exchange data in a way that, you know, I'll go back to us. We spent quite a bit on uh, some external surveys, and the number one ask of our carriers at its core is, where's my next piece of business in the sense, where's my next load? Hmm. And by the way, can you tell me that, you know, days, weeks in advance so that I can plan for it, so that I'm prepared for it, so that I have staff for it, so that I'm not reactive to it? And the number one ask from the shippers is, hey, can you give me visibility when my when my load's going to arrive? When am I going to get it? Is it, where is it? What's the status of it? What's the condition of it? And those are the two number one asks from our carriers and shippers. And we're able in a very simple way on a single platform to bring that together. Yeah. And so in this way, we get to satisfy the number one ask of our shippers. Where's my load? When am I going to get it? Give me visibility to it. So if I'm contracting with carriers, when am I going to get it? and make it easy for me. It shouldn't be a phone call. It shouldn't be complex. If I'm a carrier, I want to do more business with the shipper that I'm moving with today. They're trustworthy. They're transparent. They communicate with me. They give me data up front, or the platform gives me data without the shipper having to do all that work. And so it's bringing carriers and shippers together on a single platform in a very simple and effective way. And that was one of the, the key points that from the, the you, how you can automate 90% of right. data within your, that, those check calls, those communications, right. you can cut down on all of those things That's because right. the software helps you, helps you automate in ways um, that exist already that are pain points. And then you can focus on developing those relationships and, and furthering those opportunities for so them. So they can work on the business, not in the business. There you go. <laughs>
Yeah. And what about you, Matt? What, what's one takeaway that you hope? So I was on the sustainability panel. There was a gentleman named Sam from Hero Technologies, and uh, what he said, you know, really stuck as far as as far as sustainability. And, and what it is is that, you know, to get to a sustainable future, is it's best for us all to share our best practices and what works, what doesn't, and what's getting us to sustainability in the future. Because, of course, you know, we all have, you know, our, you know, we're all, you know, not, not, not all of us three, but we all have our competitors in a certain sense. But, you know, when it gets, when it comes to a sustainability standpoint, it's best to share best practices we've seen to create the sustainable future, you know, just right. for, you know, not just business, but just for, you know, entire, entire world. Yeah, collaboration over competition is it works for a lot of different industries. And so uh, what are, for each of you, what are a couple of things that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Collaboration. I think mm -hmm. it has resonated a lot that we need to share more information between the shippers, the carriers. Uh, you know, there's this big question about do we have a driver shortage or we're not utilizing the hours the best way, but mm -hmm. it's because we're not communicating and you know, we're shipping a lot of empties and should we be communicating so we can take advantage of those empties and, and make it productive and not utilize those hours uh, in a bad way like mm. we're doing today. So it's it's just about collaboration, all those opportunities that I can see across the industry also. Right. Good insight. Chris, what about you? So I'd have to say, you know, Laura Ciceri, uh, our, our key guest uh, keynote, uh, brought up a point that was, I think, very relevant, and that is, you know, those, those qualified, informed identifiers for loads and for traceability and without a single standard across the industry, the ability in the data. So as we bring carriers and shippers together, say, on PCS platform, the ability to track and trace because outside of food we eat, generally speaking, we don't produce it in this country, hmm. right? It comes by sea, and, sea land, and air. Um, whether it's rail from Mexico or whether it's uh, high, high quality and it's in from Asia on an airplane or whether it's on a 6,000 container ship coming in from mainland China or from Western, from Italy, as an example, without you being able to uniquely identify and track, right, your individual parcel and then your freight that you're bringing over and where it is, you don't have any hope of creating that trance that's true um, visibility mm -hmm. that you can, whether you're shipper or carrier, eliminate what is that waste that is naturally occurring today in supply chain logistics. You can just bring more technology, but without that traceability mm -hmm. and those unique identifier, those qualified values, that, that QR code on the individual parcel that is unique to that parcel that is a set standard across industry, it's hard to truly know and then share where you're, and as you share, be able to take advantage of that, where your inefficiencies are and stamp them out, whether it's backhaul, headhaul, dead, deadhead in between, whether it's um, workforce, staffing, retention of employees, onboarding. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I think that was spot on. I think that's exactly yeah. right. There's so Tied much innovation happening and there's so many more opportunities that are presenting itself, I right. think, now with the more information that we have at hand. What about you, Matt? What, what's something you've been thinking about? I, I, I hate to copy answers, but but, <laughs> but, but collaboration is, is a big one, especially, you know, because we're, you know, we're in just specialized sector and, and a lot of people are here as well. 
And everyone has a different viewpoint on, mm -hmm. on it. And, you know, talking to people and, and learning other people's viewpoint on different aspects of, you know, whatever it may be is, it, you know, it gives you a certain sense, you know, or helps you see a light that you didn't see before. And mm -hmm. makes makes a lot of things snap if, you know, because you're getting, you're, you're hearing, hearing it from a totally different perspective and it looked, um, you know, it was being viewed from a totally different viewpoint. So. Collaboration, I think, is is definitely something that, uh, that is a, a big takeaway for okay, me. Okay, well, since you borrowed an answer from somebody else, I'm going to go to you with this next question. Okay. we got time for a couple more questions. Okay. What is, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask, but what is one of the, one is a uh, favorite mistake that you've ever made? Ooh, favorite mistake. There's a lot of them. Because <laughs> 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 people resonate so much more, I think, with, with, with not necessarily failures, but uh, mistakes that you make along the way that ended up turning out for the best. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe like a learning experience that you've had in the past or, or you know, maybe a deal that didn't go through that ended up turning out to be the best. I would say acting too quickly without having all the information uh, mm -hmm. at hand. Um, I came around, I was reading something a little bit ago and um, I don't know if it was somebody who's quoting Warren Buffett or something like that, but it's you look at a situation and, and trying to trying to make a decision on something, you kind of ask, all right, what's the dumbest thing I can do and not do that? So I'd say that's one of the biggest, biggest mistakes I would say is acting on decision without fully grasping all the information at hand. Hmm. That's a good one. What about you, Chris? What's your not favorite Not trusting mistake? experience. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've been doing this over 35 years and we happen to be in a segment of the business that I knew was the wrong segment to be in. And I don't mean vertical, I don't mean segmentation. I mean, we're a SaaS software company, right? We're a, a group of people that bring software technology for the benefit of our customers so that they can save time, make money, right? And we had stepped into a foray of hardware and as quick as we stepped in, we stepped back out. Hardware, you have to be set up for it. You need an entire um, machine, if you will. Mm -hmm. You need infrastructure for it. You need not just people, you need technology, you need tracking. And so we, we had stepped into a foray of hardware. We knew it when, we, when I first saw it, heard about it, smelt it, but it's not the place we want to be. And the mistake I made is I probably didn't kill it fast enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I let it go an extra month or two. At, at the unfortunate, um, you know, of some of our customers mm -hmm. that were that we were trying to stand up on that technology and that's not our strength, gotta to play to your strength. And uh, so I would say, trust your experience. Hmm. I love that. Experience. Yeah, that, that's really good insight. I think a lot of people can find value in, in, in that, knowing when, what is it, Gary V says that, um, it's sort of similar, but he says uh, hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. Right. So in a similar situation, you, you, you make a bet and then, you know, right. if it doesn't work out, you, you cut your losses and go. Right. What about you, Gabriel? What's your, what's your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake is probably not preparing enough for change and mm -hmm. making a lot of assumptions of how people is going to take it, what people is going to react. It's so logical. It looks like you know, it's a natural progression, but it's not the case. Mm. There's, you need to prepare for change. You need to analyze it from multiple angles. And even if it's a logical choice to move forward, not everybody's going to be on board. Mm. Not everybody's going to sit from that perspective. So, you know, we, we probably have accelerated change faster than what we should. And, you know, we are learning from those experiences and going back to the drawing board, taking advantage of the experience and, you know, go slow. But, but secure that we're going to have good steps to where we want to go. Absolutely. And so with uh, with one of my final questions, anything that you guys have are, are working on currently or, or, or coming out maybe in the near future that you want to share with the audience? Or maybe not so, not so soon yet. <laughs> we have five. 
two of them are brand new. We haven't we haven't yet announced. We're bringing out tomorrow afternoon. So oh, I won't nice. steal thunder, but we have some technology that um, the three North Stars for us, which is to save customers time, save them money, and help them make money. And we have two technologies that on the platform, right? It's not a one-off. Hmm. It's on the platform to enable both carriers and shippers through this technology, those three that I just mentioned, I'm excited and delighted. And my fear is, and I'll just be totally transparent right here on camera and on your session that says, sure. there's a little worry that after tonight's band, we, we right, we've got our country band that's <laughs> gonna play. Everybody will enjoy and imbibe this evening. They'll wake up tomorrow morning and they'll either sleep and miss part of it, or they'll, they'll decide, no, time for me. I got to get back to work, right? And they'll they'll miss the afternoon session, and so uh, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We'll send out announcements on it, but absolutely. We, so we do have a couple uh, that we're bringing out. In fact, I would say it's part of what we should be doing mm -hmm. is always innovating, leading, and putting our customers into a position to where they, in an easy way, can take advantage of technology that's available. Use it. Absolutely. And Use so, the resources that you have at hand. Exactly. And where can folks, if they want to, to follow along with the news that you're going to drop tomorrow, which it, when by the time the show airs Thursday, um, will will likely already be public knowledge, where can they find more of that information out? So two websites that go to the same place, pcssoft.com or pcsexpress.com. PCS, the name of our platform, is Express. Hmm. And so it's pcsexpress.com. Gotcha. That'll get you to that point. Perfect. I'm sure the audience will definitely be checking out uh, th those opportunities, especially with what you're working on now and in the future. Well, what about you, you two, Matt? I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, everybody pretty much knows what our, our, our future plans are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that was kind of the, the big news <laughs> yeah, yeah. earlier in the week. So, uh, so, well, where can folks follow more more of your work, uh, your, your company's work? Um, yeah, the, there there'll still be some announcements coming out, uh, specifically from Hylion as as we're continuing this journey. So, I'd say stay tuned with with what they're doing. We're we're, we're we're trying to develop more of our web presence. We don't have a you know a really good web presence at the moment, so we're we're uh, we're trying to do that, trying to get more more out there, I guess you could say. So awesome. but, LinkedIn, uh, though, I think is LinkedIn. a good source. LinkedIn is we essentially use LinkedIn. We as, didn't as even our, touch yeah, on Dead LinkedIn Marlo at all. Logistics on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, okay. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. So, so folks can check out. Uh, your, Thank you. <laughs> the the Detmar LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. page because that's really where the, the right. opportunities. It's been so crazy to watch the growth of, of or the transition. I guess I should say of the perception of LinkedIn over the last year. It's really right. become the go-to social media platform. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Gabriel? Well, Any last news? Uh, where can people follow we, more of your work? We we have a lot of things in, in on the shelf. You know, I I just tell people go to bonnieplans.com. There's always something going on there. It's, you know, we have our e-commerce platform, so you can get your plans shipped directly to your. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. There, so you can you can buy them. They ship to your door. You you can have oh, them wow. at any time. I probably shouldn't know that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I mentioned, you know, as people is getting into the. Uh, the last part of the season, they're collecting their fruits. If there's extra product, you know, we have that partnership with ampleharvest.org. If they want to go to that website, they can get their local pantry. If they have product that they want to donate, that is a, that is a good way You said localharvest.org. Ampleharvest. Ampleharvest.org. Ampleharvest.com. 
Org. 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 And they, <laughs> well, can, they can find their local pantry and, and uh, go and donate the product. Well, perfect. Uh, we'll make sure to include uh, all of the links that you guys mentioned in the show notes. So folks who, who want to find more about each of your companies, they'll, all they have to do is just hit the show notes, and then uh, you'll be able to take directly to that and read more and follow more of your guys' work. Um, any last remarks from, from you gentlemen? Any takeaways uh, that you would like to leave the audience with? Or are you ready to, to go hit the party? <laughs> you know, it, it, leverage technology. Um, those that are here at the session, I hope, you know, at the conference, I hope everybody's taken full advantage of the conference. It's for everybody's benefit. And I would echo what these two gentlemen had said about collaboration, whether it's at this conference or the next conference. Uh, boy, it's key, right? Especially when you're trying to make a difference in the ecology. Very well put. Trying to remove carbon footprint and go net zero. It's a we and a me. Hmm. Love that. That's a perfect way. And that's how we're going to end uh, today's show. Gabriel, Chris, Matt, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. And thank we you. will be right back here next week. Another edition of Cyberly on the Road with more interviews from Ignite, hosted by PCS Software. <laughs> <laughs>